This is the Spurs Cast with your host, Paul Garcia. And welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Cast. In today's episode, I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Colin Reed. Colin and I will discuss the end of the Spurs' 18-game losing streak and a few of the Spurs' starters. Let's go and jump right into this episode with Colin. Colin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm almost at my Christmas break off of my, like, real job, as it were. I know that we were talking a bit about, like, life before this, and it's the end of the tunnel. I can see it, and it's it's just exciting to be at this time of the year. Awesome. Yes, for sure. Yeah, holiday season's approaching here. Uh, you know, those Christmas games are coming up on on, um, on this Sunday coming up that you and I are recording this on a uh, Wednesday evening. All right, Colin, so let's go ahead and jump into the last three games for the San Antonio Spurs. There was one positive and then two negatives for them. Um, let's first go back to ending the losing streak. So this happened last Friday. The Spurs are hosting the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, they ended up they ended losing the losing streak with with a 14-point win. Uh, we do want to note, though, with some context, that the Lakers were missing three starters in Anthony Davis, uh, D'Angelo Russell, and Cam Red. But even with LeBron James, they were still the favorite. They were barely favorites, but they were still favorites. So again, Vegas had the Lakers as the favorites. Um, the Spurs led by as many as 25 points in this game. Uh, and they led for most of the game. The Lakers, you know, had a few instances where they got the, the score down a little bit, but San Antonio held control. And it was really a great night for Devin Vassell, especially in the fourth quarter, where he ends up finishing with a new career high 36 points uh for Devin. So so the Spurs ended that losing streak. And I believe it was 18 games, right? I apologize. I forgot to do my research, right? It was an 18-game losing streak, I think. Yes, uh, they, they were. And- three and two before it started and they ended at four to uh four and 20 yes okay so so exactly so it was an 18 game yeah. streak i think it was 17 made the franchise record right i think that was that was the number there okay so then that's the positives that the spurs finally ended that losing streak they finally got a win in over a month but then there's a new losing streak that's starting to begin again so then um two nights later on, on sunday in san antonio it was actually a sunday afternoon the spurs are hosting the, the new orleans pelicans and they get blown out in their own in their own building. The Spurs um, they lose by 36 points in this game. Um, the Pels just um, led uh, held a comfortable lead for most of the game, um, and then especially in the second half, it just became a blowout for the Spurs. They they faced a a deficit that they've seen a few times now this year, and that's a 40 point deficit. So they fell behind by 40 points uh, at one point in this game. And what's a little concerning there is that we're only in game 22 now or, or game 26, and they've already pl- uh, faced four 40 point deficits. Last year I looked up the numbers; they didn't face their their uh, their fourth. 40 point deficit until almost like when the season was about to end in um, in April there. So, so again, that's a little concerning that they're getting blown out a, a lot by a lot of points at, at different times. Um, the Pels had a great night for shooting from three. They made 22 three pointers, new Orleans. And, and then the following day, I looked at the wide open three data and half of those looks were wide open. So they really carved up the Spurs' defense. Then on Tuesday, um, the Spurs went on the road to Milwaukee, and this was, I would say, chalk it up to more an expected loss. Um, uh, uh, Victor Wembanyama was held out of this game due to a sore right ankle. It's not too, too concerning. He's probable to play again on Friday at Chicago. Uh, but without Wemby, the Bucks were big favorites. They were favored by about 17 points in this game. Um, the Spurs, you know, fought here. They, they ended up losing by, by 13 points, but the Bucks, you know, held a, held a very comfortable lead, double-digit lead for most of the game. Uh, Milwaukee ended up leading by as many as 24, but then the Spurs did get it down to eight points at one point. I think it was in the third quarter. Uh, Dame went off here for 40 points. And so Vegas said, you know, the Spurs should go 0-3. They ended up going 1-2. They are now 4-22 overall, which um, still ha- they still have a bottom three record to finish with the best lottery pick odds uh, if that ends up happening at the end of the season. They have the 29th-ranked offense and the 25th-ranked defense. What are some of your thoughts on these last three games for San Antonio? Yeah, so the, the losing streak ending... Um... I think is significant because I think the players and the organization and just the people who watch the team were just ready for it to be over, you know, kind of the mantra that I've had when I've talked to people about this team is 
look, they're not going to make the play in anyway. So what does it matter if they have 35 wins or 25 wins? And I might need to adjust that saying too. What does it matter if they have 35 wins or 15 wins? But you know, this, this season is about something other than wins. It's about the process. It's about development. It's about that. And after one of the losses, I remember my brother asked me, he was like, okay, Hey, like, I know that it's not about the wins this season, but like, can't they win a couple, you know? (laughs) And I think, I think that was just kind of the general feeling, even amongst the fans who understand that, who understand that this is about the process and it's about development was just kind of like, okay, we get that this year is not about like winning. Um, but can we just win a few of them? (laughs) And, And, you know, so it, it was nice to see so many people, whether that be the organization or the fans, have a little bit of relief and kind of reset that losing streak. I think the last two games were kind of games you'd expect them to lose, and they have a couple coming up here that they can take a couple of these, I think. Um, if they lose, I, I think it's like Bulls, Jazz, Jazz. If they lose all three of those, then they deserve to go on another 20-game losing streak, Like to be quite honest. Um, but it's, it's just one of those things where – um, there is a little bit of, I feel like relief. That was kind of the feeling I got, uh, observing this, but what was really interesting to me from like a schematic standpoint, watching the bucks game is just kind of how unfair Brooke Lopez is, mm-hmm. you know, he's one of the best drop bigs in the league. And yet on the other end, he can pop out and he's a threat from out there. So you have this, this big who schematically is one of the best at that role on defense, but when you're playing that same defensive scheme on the other end, he stresses that scheme a lot. And it's just a very interesting because the Spurs, like historically, they are one of the droppiest drop teams to ever have played drop. They they play drop all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it that results in a lot of wide open shots for someone like Brooke Lopez when the goal of whoever the five is is to to guard the rim. Um, you know, and so that was just an interesting thing to watch. Uh just how how kind of unfair that skill set is where on one end you're really good at that on defense but on the other end you stress out that defensive scheme and then with the pelicans you know you can't control shooting luck you can't control how your opponents shoot on wide open shots or open shots but you can control how many of them they get and i think the pelicans was one of many games this season where we've seen a very similar theme where the spurs did give up too many open and wide open threes but they were also hugely unlucky on those shots. And it's it, you can say both of those things are true at the same time, where it's like, you know, you wouldn't expect the opponent to make as many as they've made. And that's come back to earth a little bit for the Spurs uh, in games outside of that Pelicans game. And sure enough, as it has, their defensive rating has risen. So I think that's just, it's just been a kind of a core concept for this team the whole season long. Like you would hope that maybe they could, get that number of attempts of wide open shots down, but also at some point you have to just shrug your shoulders because there's not really anything you can do about opponent wide open shooting percentage other than keep it from happening. So it's, it's just a, a game that has been very similar to so many of the early games this season where it was almost bad shooting luck. And obviously they would have lost anyway, you know, they were down by 40 at one point, but it, it's just, it, it, there's been a lot of that this season. And usually that doesn't sustain. So I think their defense will continue to look better in the second half of the season. Okay. Okay. And you're just talking about the drop defense in San Antonio plays. That's one of the big contributors to why um, Dame Lillard had a bunch of points. Uh, I think he had like 21 points from three. He just, I just remember um, pick and roll after pick and roll. Dame's just going, going there and getting some wide open looks and, 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 you know, he was drilling them. He had a really good game there. 
All right, so now, Colin, I, I kind of want to pick your brain here and just kind of get your initial thoughts on this uh, new starting lineup um, that the Spurs have uh, when healthy. I, I talked about this lineup a bit last uh, in the last episode, but now, you know, it just, it's been a little bit more data here. So in uh, five games now that they've played uh, this group mainly, um, they've, they've had 169 possessions together. They still have a, a positive net rating. It's a, it's a pl- barely, though, plus 0.1 net rating uh, per cleaning the glass. So um, when we look at their offense, um, they're scoring 103.6 points per 100, which is in the 15th percentile. Um, offensively, they really struggled. They're they're um, they're they're in the 31st percentile or below in effective field goal percentage, turnover percentage, offensive rebound percentage, and free throw rate. Uh, they they have a three percent increase in shots from three, so they're getting a few more attempts uh, in shots from three. Uh, they're also getting a lot more attempts uh, near the rim, six percent increase in shots at the rim, and a big part of that's Victor Wembanyama now playing the five uh, as the center, so he's getting a lot of his shots near the rim. Kelton Johnson's kind of getting into the paint, as we saw in that most recent loss to Milwaukee. And then one one big thing is that they they're having a decrease in shots from mid range from all mid range, uh, which is like short mid range and long mid range, according to Cleaning the Glass. They're they're seeing a nine percent decrease there. Uh, shooting wise, accuracy should we say from all areas of the Four, they're still struggling to make shots, whether near the rim or even from outside. Uh, and then their their half court offense is, is is rough with this group. And then uh, they have seen a four percent increase in transition plays. So again, just uh, just to remind the, the listeners uh, who the, the new starting five is when they're healthy, it's um, Malachi Branham, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Jeremy Sohan, and um, and uh, Victor Wembanyama. So before we d- talk about defense, can you can you just tell me your initial thoughts on on this offense with this new group? Yeah, you know. Um... Coming out of college, uh, two of the guys on that list, um, Branham and Vassell, you would have expected to be maybe higher level shot makers at this point in their career. And I think both of them are on the uptick. But I do think um, if you look at this starting unit, you're kind of relying on those two guys to be shot makers to a high degree. And I know that Sohan has shot, you know, like pretty well from three. But again, we talked about it last time I was on here. It's about volume, not just efficiency. And so I think that their offense is going to be highly variable. You know, you know what you're getting from Keldon Johnson. He's going to take the three if it's wide open, but if not, he's going to drive to the basket. And he's, you know, his efficiency when he gets there is fairly okay. And when he gets to the line, he's fairly okay at that. And then with Sohan, you know, again, wide open threes. If not, he's going to be trying to make some sort of attack in the paint. And I think the real variance there comes with how well the cell and Brandon are shooting. Um, I think as their shooting continues to develop and get better, this lineup could be better on offense. I think right now it's just where it's a little bit difficult. You know, I think people will point out Wimby's touches quite a bit and they'll say, look, he is getting all these touches. You know, people want him to get more touches. And to me, it's not even about the number of touches. It's kind of like, I would like to see more early seals, like very early offense, get down the court, you know, seal off the guy as soon as you get down there just a quick turnaround because he, he is, you know, money on those when he just turns around and like has one arm up and it's in. And so I, I, it's not necessarily about the quantity of touches, but I do think there's some easy offense that they're leaving on the table when it comes to, Hey, there, there's so much early offense just from Wimby seals. Um, and so I think as that chemistry goes, as they start to see that, you know, as the cell and Brandon start to become better at shot makers, that will increase. I do think this has been the biggest debate in Spurs land for the whole season that moving forward, whenever it is next season, the year after, after the trade deadline, whenever it is, when they have a traditional point guard on the court to like set the table on offense, that will improve how this offense flows. And I think they know that. 
I just think their philosophy at this point, now that they've moved on from the Sohan at point guard experiment, is we're not going to spend valuable assets for a Band-Aid. Like, we will go out and make a trade for a point guard if it fits current and long-term, but mm-hmm. we're not going to spend assets on a, on a Band-Aid. So I, I think that the offense can get better, but I think there is a ceiling to how much better it can get until they have that traditional point guard out there. And I don't think they're going to settle for just anyone. I think they really like how Trey Jones looks uh, guiding the bench unit. And I think for them, it's like, well, on the next duration of our good team, Trey Jones is going to be the leader of the bench unit, just like Patty Mills was, you know? And so they want him to continue to grow in that role. And so I think that that there is a roster construction that is holding them back to some degree but i also think that their philosophy is that they're not going to fix it unless they find someone who can be the fix long term okay i'm with you there too as far as like i think there's a ceiling and i think they can't they can't get better with this this with this um these five players but i think like you said there's there's a certain ceiling there at some point because like i said um in the last episode you know it's a very small sample size basically like five games and i do want to see what happens when some of those shooting percentages do um increase um and, and you know as you're talking about um uh, Malachi and, and Vassell being those players who need to be the shot makers. That just kind of reminds me of like, you know, are they going to start getting a little bit more pick and roll opportunities? Are they going to be the go-to players? Cause I know Kelton gets a, a lot more opportunity right now as well uh, with, with, when we talk about the three of them, but the, what, so, so that's on offense. So that's the area where, you know, they're still struggling a little bit with the, with this group. The area where they're seeing some really good improvements with this group is defensively, um, you know, really good defensive metrics as I'm about to go through right here. So they're, they're holding opponents to 103.5 points per 100, which is in the 87th percentile. And we want to, we want to take into account, this is with the, um, the, the blowout of the Pelicans included in this data. So it's not like, you know, this is just like before that Pelicans game, this is actually with, with the blowout in, in mind. Uh, they're they're between the 60th and 75th percentile in opponent field goal percentage, turnover percentage, and free throw rate. And then um, they're barely under league average, 47th percentile in opponent offensive rebound percentage. Um, we've seen a 6% increase in opponent shots at the rim. So obviously, if, if teams are pulling Wimby away, and now there's just four guards slash wings around him, they're going to get more opportunity near the rim. Uh, there's a 5% decrease, though, in opponents shooting the three ball. So that's one good thing is that that, that math game is kind of evening out for the Spurs when they're taking away some of those opponent um, three-point attempts. Uh, as far as mid-rangers from opponents, they're basically the same. Uh, and then what we see as well is that um, opponents are shooting really well from three and, and all the mid-range shots um, slightly under league average at the rim. Like you kind of said there with, with, regarding jump shots, it's, it kind of just comes out uh, up to luck in terms of you know uh, whether or not those shots, those shots go in or out. And then uh, the Spurs have a really good half de- half court defense with this group. And then there's also been a 6% increase in opponent transition plays um, for the opponents um, whenever the Spurs miss on the other side. So what have been some of your thoughts on, on the, uh, the versatility of the Spurs group defensively? Yeah, I think... Um... Watching that Bucks game last night, you see kind of why the starting lineup is so good on defense, even though Wimby was out. And part of that is every player has strengths and weaknesses. And I think um, Collins brings a lot to the table on offense as kind of a hubby player and someone who can make the right pass and takes the shot at the right time. You know, the shot has been off and on throughout the season, but you know he's going to make good decisions on the offensive end. But I do think one of maybe his not strengths is drop defense. And I think for so much of this early season, they had him as the centerpiece of the drop defense and Wimby as the roamer, which I like in concept, but when like the centerpiece of the whole thing, that's maybe not a strength of his, it, the structure isn't very sound. You know, I think it would be different if it was like splitter was the one in the drop defense where he's maybe not as good on offense, but that drop defense is a big strength of his. Now you're replacing that you're still playing drop, but it's Wimby in the middle. And the whole point of drop is to give up mid-range. And 
What's happening now is when opponents have these mid-range shots, that eight-foot wingspan evaporates it. Like they mm-hmm. they they might be taking these shots, but it's going away. And then I think part of the reason why there's less threes but more at the rim is because I think opponents are having to settle for shots at the rim against Wimby, even which aren't good shots. But when you say, hey, Wimby's the guy at the rim, everyone else just stay home. Now there aren't these open shots where they can kick it out, pass, pass, pass around, shoot the three. It's like, well, you know, this this shot at the rim is the best attempt we're going to get, but it's against Wimby, so it's not very good. And so I just think that that's, you know, I think people look at defense almost like a math problem where they say this defender is an 8 out of 10 and this defender is a 9 out of 10. And you add them all up and you say whatever the total is, that's the defense. And it's like that's not really how it works. You just take Wimby, who's really good at this scheme, and you put him as the centerpiece of the scheme, and it all clicks in a better way. Um, and so I think that's what I've been seeing, especially in the half court, like you're saying. And then that makes sense in transition. Teams know that if the Spurs can get their defense set now that Wimby's playing center, they're not going to be able to score very easily. So after makes, after misses, after turnovers, after all of it, you try to get early offense because if they get set up, now all of a sudden you have a seven foot four guy with an eight foot wingspan blocking off the rim. So I, I think I understand why they wanted to start Wimby at the four at his career. I just don't know if they have like the perfect big to do that next to him right now. But I think that obviously, you know, this is exactly who we thought he would be on defense. And so it is promising to see like, Hey, you move him to the five, you make him the centerpiece of the defense. And instantly it's like pretty, pretty good. Even though there's still some spots to attack on that lineup. So that is a really encouraging sign for the future of this team as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like the fact that, you know, even with the blood included, there's still that 87th uh, percentile of defense. So they're like right up there still. And even before that blowout, they were like in the 95th percentile. So again, it's just really good signs defensively. And like you said, there's going to be a limit to how good they can be offensively with this, at least this starting five. But again, more positive you're seeing from that group. Okay, so now for our last uh, topic, Colin, last week I had spent a lot of time um, discussing Wemby at the five in this new lineup. So what I want to do now is uh, kind of just talk about some of the, the other starters uh, in, in this group. So what we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to let you pick two starters. I've kind of prepped the notes already of, um, uh, you know, you get to pick two starters. We'll kind of just go into detail about how how the players, not just um, playing in this new starting five, but just overall for the season, how they've, how they kind of had uh, the kind of season they've had so far on both ends of the court. So again, your options are Devin Vassell. Keldon Johnson, Malachi Branham, and Jeremy Sohan. Who do you want to start with? Let's let's do Keldon Johnson. Okay, Keldon, let's go two screens over. Okay, so I'll, I'll first present um, um all the data, and then you and then kind of give me your thoughts on, on on you know whether it matches or you know just your, your observations of him so far this season. So, Keldon, he's played in twenty five of twenty six games. Uh, been very durable here for the Spurs in ninety six ninety six percent of the games he's participated in. And unfortunately, going into this game on Friday against Chicago, he is probable with them um, low back tightness. But again, Keldon is the kind of player that he, if he's if he's able to, he's gonna play. Um, and he's averaging about thirty three minutes a night. I do want to note that in all these players we're gonna discuss, their stats are round. These are just their, their basic box score stats, and I do round them uh, just to make it easier on the, on the ears whenever we listen. Uh, so he's averaging about 18 points a game, which is third on the team behind only um, Wemby and, and Vassell. He's getting to the line about four free throw attempts a night, so I'd say about two times a night. Um, really, I'd say decent ball movement, four assists to just five turnover uh, to just two turnovers, four assists to two turnovers. And then his shooting splits, he's shooting 47% from the floor, 36% from three, 78% from um, the free throw line. 
Usage, uh, his, his usage is at 21%, according to Cleaning the Glass, which is in the 75th percentile among forwards. Uh, his shot diet, where his shots come from, he first takes um, a lot of shots in the paint, like you mentioned. 54% of his shots come from the paint. Then he takes the three, 30% of his shots from three. Uh, not 30%, 40% of his shots from three. And then he doesn't really go to the mid-range much, just 5% of his shots. So again, really just attack first, if not shoot three, like kind of what you mentioned there. Uh, he's doing a really good job this season in finishing well near the rim in that dunk layup range, and also shooting the arc three, the, beyond, the, the above the break three um 45% of his threes are attempted wide open so we do see the defenses do leave him open quite a bit he is making he's making his shots well he's averaging 1.13 points per shot on his um wide open threes uh when he drives the ball he he mainly shoots first or attacks first uh passes second and then he doesn't turn over the ball much when he does try to drive according to the NBA's drive data uh and he, he amongst all the Spurs players that that drive the ball he gets to the line the most um uh, amongst those players regarding running the pick and roll ball handler as the pick and roll ball handler according to synergy in 75 possessions he's averaging 0.91 points per possession so uh you know it's not it's not quite over one per possession but it's also not not too too far off from that number um what do you what, what do you think about his offense so far this season yeah I, I think my big thing for him is and you talked about him being one of the bigger foul drawers on the team and mm -hmm. actually the fact that it's about two a game um makes that a little bit of an issue for me that's i think an issue for the team as a whole i just feel like if his first option on offense is to drive and he drives as aggressively as he does the one thing i would like to see is getting to the line a little bit more because that is you know, the most efficient shot in basketball. If you shoot 85% from the line and you take two free throws, then that's like a 1.7 possession, uh, like expected points. So I, I just, and I, I don't know, you know, I it's one of those things that when you're watching, you're kind of like, I see him driving aggressively. I don't know why the free throw numbers aren't higher. I don't know if he just uh, doesn't entertain the art of the foul drawing as some players have really kind of leaned into, but I think um, a big part of that pick and roll data, it, did you get it from the NBA stat site? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. That, it's it's difficult. It's a little bit frustrating for me that on that site, the only thing they have is like, if you finish the possession with a shooting attempt, you know, because I, I would love to see some of these players, uh, what is their points for uh, possession on a pass? But that's like very proprietary data. That's harder for yeah. us to get our hands on. Um, but, you know, I, I do think his skill set, the drive or the shoot, is really good when he's not the primary option and, and teams aren't keyed off on him. Because then when you already have teams in a little bit of rotation, you can pass to him. If they don't close out on him hard, then he shoots. If they do close out on him hard, you know he's going to have like a, a pretty quality drive. And I think when you have that as kind of a release valve off of um, like an advantage state in offense, that's a pretty good option to go to. And I think that's what we were seeing a lot of last year where it kind of looks like a little bit of an offensive bounce back season for him in terms of kind of the efficiency and all that. A lot of that is just because I think this is the role that works really well for his strength. So it, it's good to see him back at that. Uh, I just do wish that we could see him get to the line a little bit more. Okay. 
And then um defend and then for me, just I would say uh, just my observations just watching him so far this season is it, it, he's kind of tr- still trying to figure things out, like in terms of like, you know, because uh, obviously they're giving a lot of possessions to, to Wemby to, to Vassell as well. So he's kind of figure out when when exactly to attack. And I've noticed it more so in the second halves of games is when he kind of gets a little bit more aggressive. Um just because you know they might be down by 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 a lot of points and he really wants to just get get kind of give put his 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 um his um his his attacking kind of spirit on the team and he he wants to show the you know the players that he can do that. And also other other times like just like last night against the Bucks where you know Wemby's out so obviously one of the one of the high usage players is out so now he knew that you know this is a game where it's just going to be mainly him and Vassell so he was really aggressive about, attack, about attacking the Bucks' defense um defensively he's averaging almost seven rebounds a game one steal a game uh he really stands out amongst his teammates in uh, defensive rebounds per 36 uh when guarding the pick and roll ball as the ball handler um according to synergy uh he's in at 101 possessions he the uh, he's holding the opponent to 0.85 points per possession and then also when he gets isoed uh it's only it's a very small amount just 16 possessions um 1.13 points per possession is what the defense is averaging um what are your thoughts on his defense so far this year yeah that rebounding is important i think just because um, you know, it <laughs> the eye test versus the stats. I think one of the biggest discrepancies for me this season is offensive rebounding. Their offensive rebounding isn't actually all that terrible compared to like or uh defensive rebounding, opponents' offensive rebounding percentage is how it's displayed on a lot of sites. Mm-hmm. But their defensive rebounding really isn't all that bad. But when it's bad, you notice it. And like opponents are getting out in transition and they're running a ton, and it just it's just a difficult situation for them. Um, so the fact that he is able to um, do so well from his position, he's able to rebound so well with that his position, I think is important for the Spurs defense. The other thing is um, in terms of the isolation scoring, I think that that's kind of a team wide problem on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just containing the drives. That's been something where, you know, they do play this drop defense, but I even feel like without a ball screen, opponents are able to get penetration fairly easily and they're able to get pain touches fairly easily against a lot of the defenders on this team just by doing like a normal drive, just putting the ball on the ground. Um, and, and so I think even though it is a very small number of possessions, I do think that bears out as kind of one of the epidemics on defense on this team is kind of the defense on drive. So I think there's a positive there in terms of his aggressiveness to grab the rebounds. But, you know, I think kind of everyone who defends on the perimeter to kind of step it up a level on that, you know, cutting off the drive would be a really great thing to see. Okay, and just some of my observations. You know, I've seen I've seen possessions where obviously they don't they don't go into the box score where he's really been um you know really engaged on defense, really sticking with with, with the with the with the player he's guarding. Uh, maybe maybe even before that player gets the ball. And it's just like most of the Spurs players, where he has difficulty you know containing the drive in terms of um you know kind of kind of just driving and kicking action, also rotations. Which again, a lot of the Spurs players right now that's why they're they, they have, they're in, they're in the bottom ten uh, defensively. Um, but yeah, especially like you said, you know, his, his rebound is, is one of the one of the key skills um for him there. The fact that he's he's one of the um. The, the guards there still still rebounding out, out there for the team. Okay, so we've discussed Keldon. Um, so you're, the other options to discuss are either Devin Vassell, Malachi Brandon, or Jeremy Sullivan. Who do you want to talk about next? Let's go with Malachi. Okay, Malachi. Okay, let's go here. Uh, Malachi Brandon. Okay, so um, Malachi Brandon has been in all 26 games this season, 100%. Um, 
uh, participation in all the games. He's averaging about 22 minutes a night, um, but he's seen he's seen an increase in minutes ever since he he entered the starting lineup with this new group. So again, so again, there has been an uptick in his minutes. Uh, let's first talk about offense. He's scoring about nine points um, per game right now uh, for the season. He's getting to the line. He only averages um, one free throw attempt, which is actually it's like 0.9. So really, he doesn't get to the line much. Um, two assists to just one turnover. Shooting 44% from the floor, um, 32% from three, and then a 93% from the free throw line. But like I mentioned, he doesn't get there much. Uh, usage rate is at 18%, which is 39th amongst combo guards, so very low. He doesn't get a lot of possessions there. Uh, his shot diet, as we've seen um, from the eye test matches, uh, 42% of his shots come from the paint, although we want to say the more the floater range. He really likes that floater shot, um, not really getting quite close to the, to the rim as, as often. 40% of his shots come from three, and then, of course, just like Devin Vassell, he's one of those mid-range kind of players, so 19% of his uh, shots come from, from mid-range. Um, his arc three, it was really bad to start the year, and it's actually slowly increasing, especially now that he's getting more, more looks with that wide open group so it's barely at 1.00 points per shot so again i've seen an increase it, it was pretty bad to start the year um his corner shooting um corner three shooting is, is pretty low um he, when he does get near the rim he finishes well but again he doesn't get there too too often it's a very low volume and then um even though he's under a point per shot on his floaters and his mid-rangers it's still pretty high for, for an nba player it's at 0 0.90 on his um floaters so it's almost um right there at, at one and then his mid-rangers as well 0 0.95 that's one of his go-to um, money shots and, and it was um I don't know. It was, it was one of the national broadcasts. I think it was like ESPN. Somebody said one of the commentators that like pop said he's like a two point shooter and it kind of just made perfect sense. I don't remember who said it. It was a, it was one of those national games that the Spurs were in. And uh, somebody said that like pop pop told that, that, that person that, you know, Malachi is one of the, one of the better two point shooters, not quite a three point shooter. And that kind of makes sense as we watch this game there in, in the half court, especially um, he is one of the players though, that does get left open a lot from wide open three um, 74% of his three point shots are um, attempted wide open and he, he's, he's shooting. Um, okay. They're 1.10 points per shot. And like, we said in this new starting five, he's starting to make some of those wide open shots. Um, he's one, he, he actually um, does a pretty good job of pull up threes when um, 21% of his threes are attempted um, with the pull up type shot, and uh, he's scoring 1.17 uh, points per shot on those. When he drives the ball, he tends to, to shoot first, pass second, doesn't turn the ball over much, but uh, he's the he's one of the few players on the team who hasn't even got to the free throw line off of a drive. And then lastly, uh, in 62 possessions as they pick and roll ball handler, he's he's um he's scoring 0.81 uh, points per possession. So what are your thoughts on Malachi's offense so far to start the year? Yeah, I think for him, just knowing like how his form looks and knowing like the level of three-point shooter he was in college. You know, I know Pop said that about him being a two-point shooter. I, I'm expecting and waiting for that three-point shot to kind of click at an NBA level. Because I think when it does then you have that true three-level shooter. You know, the guy who's comfortable um, from mid-range and he's willing to take that shot and he's going to hit it at an above-average rate when, like you said, you consider all NBA players. You know, he does get to the rim and, you know, once that three-point shot starts falling, that's like a special type of score where you're able to score at all three levels like that. Um, I, I'm not quite sure why that hasn't panned out in that way, but like you said, it's starting to pick up as the season goes on in terms of from at the top of the key. So that's something to definitely keep an eye on. Um, I feel like that might just be part of the Spurs thing though. I feel like the Spurs have always had these wing players who uh, when they can get to their spots from mid range, they're great at knocking them down. And Malachi is just the next in a long list of players to be like that. So it's, um, it's one of those things where I do hope to see that three point shot start to connect a little bit more. And when it does, then you start to see a lot of value, but you can see, that the Spurs do value him a lot on offense uh, because I think 
you know, we're about to talk about his defense. I don't think that that's necessarily a strength of his. And when Devin Vassell was out and they brought him, they brought Devin Vassell back, but they weren't quite ready to bring him back in the starting lineup. They put Branham in the starting lineup. And then when they made this change to put Wimby at the five, Branham stayed in the starting lineup. So I think they obviously, if they're making him like a full-time starter, which has kind of been the signal, they value what he can do on that side of the court. And I think that that not only shows what he's doing now, but I think what they believe he can do as he continues to develop, this is only his second year. And, um, you know, I think that he'll just continue to get better as a shooter as he continues to go on. And I think that's going to be his huge value add. I think that Wimby needs those shooters around him to open up the like paint for him, because if you can pack the paint, that makes his life a lot harder. So I think he is a player who can stick around for quite a while on this team, especially if, He's able to start knocking down threes. I think the pull-up thing that you were talking about is important too, because I think that's self-generated. And I think that that's something that can get overlooked a lot is um, there is a difference between someone else created this opportunity for me versus a self-generated shot. And if you can get to the point where you're self-generating three-point looks and they're going at a good rate, that is kind of hard offense to, to come by. And that really keeps the defense honest. So that's kind of the biggest thing I'm looking at for him, but I do think his ability to get to a spot in the mid range and knock it down has been uh, impressive and also something that's encouraging. I like I like what you said there about um, you know trying to work on his three with this new group because that's kind of what what I'm thinking right now because like as as I've, I've watched the last few games with them starting um, with, with him starting with the, with this new starting lineup he's mainly the the player who brings the ball up the court and kind of gets them into their action and then from there it's Devin takes over Wemby takes over you know Keldon takes over that kind of thing so we're not seeing him run like a lot of pick and roll or, or you know being being the being the aggressor in terms of attacking but we are seeing is him kind of flanking out and being you know being ready to shoot those threes so I think that's this is a point where with this new starting lineup this is an opportunity for him to start getting some of those spot up threes or or even pull up type threes and, and trying to I- increase that accuracy just with more reps i think that i think that's what, what, what you're going to see you're not going to see him as much on the ball um once you know attacking the actual defense so so i think that that's a part of his game that's going to take a, a little bit of, of a back step now that he's starting with with the other with the other um four players there uh, like you kind of mentioned, you know, it's, it's hard to find a lot of positives for him defensively, um, whether by the eye test or even by the, by the metrics. So he's only averaging about two rebounds a game, um, where he stands out compared to his teammates, uh, is not fouling much. Um, but you know, what I do is I put all like, like, you know, just the basic box score stats, uh, deflections, uh, rebounds, you know, fouls, all, all those things. I put them all into, into one spreadsheet and I do like a little average and man, he even, he ranks last amongst all the, the rotation players. He, he, normally it's Doug McDermott, which you kind of expect that from Doug. It's he's usually last, but right now, as of, as I just wrote, ran, ran the numbers today before we recorded, he, he came out last there. So again, not a lot of areas where he's, uh, where he helps out in terms of box score stats on, on the defensive end. Uh, and then looking at synergies data when he's guarding the pick and roll ball handler uh, in 74 possessions this, this season, opponents are scoring 1.14 points per possession. And then he doesn't get uh, uh, ISOed often. It's only been 10 possessions, but even that number is pretty rough at 1.60 points per possession. So again, it kind of matches the eye test where you don't see um, a lot of strengths for him. And this is something that you, I, I remember on the last podcast when we had Ben Benjamin Bornstein on, we talked about Branham and, um, you know, it was, was defense part of his, of his game coming into from college. And Ben kind of said, no, like just kind of the system they played at Ohio state that year was pretty rough. And so he, you're, you're seeing him still not quite have, um, have an impact there on that, that on their floor. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think, you know, we come back to two things that are plaguing this team on defense, especially on the perimeter, which are the drives. I think that's kind of a difficult thing to watch sometimes is just when an opposing player has the ball, when Brandon is defending him and that player drives, 
he's generally able to get separation on that drive. And then I think the other thing is fighting over screens, especially in like a ball screen action, which is kind of what you're alluding to with the pick and roll numbers. I think that is something that has been difficult for the whole team so far this season. You know, they don't have this Drew Holiday, Derek White type guy who just has the strength to absorb contact on a drive or to fight over a screen and make themselves real thin. And, you know, you, you see a lot of, a lot of the guys getting caught on screens. And I think that Branham is kind of um, in both of those camps. I think that he, some of those things are, you know, the athletic tools that you're born with. And then some of them can be improved as you improve your athleticism and effort. So I think that there is some place where, you know, you're born with the wingspan you're born with, and you're born with uh, the height that you're born with. Um, but I think that that there is room for improvement in terms of some of the execution on getting over screens and kind of getting in front of these drives. And I think once that happens, that these numbers will tick up in a pretty good way. I think it's just right now, you know, you can run some primary action uh to get the defense looking and then pass the ball to his man and his man can drive by him i feel like that's something that we've seen a good bit but i i don't think that's a death knell for him i just think it's it's more of like it's something that needs to improve uh as this team continues to get better because you know again if this team is able to be in a position where they're making deep playoff runs in four or five years you can't have that player on the perimeter that an opposing team can attack every time down the court because they just will in the fourth quarter of a close playoff game so i think you know like i said he's born with the physical tools that he's born with but you do hope that there's maybe some improvement in terms of like the i don't think the effort i think that he's an effortful player on both ends mm-hmm. i think it's just more of the technique of getting over screens and getting in front of drives and that kind of stuff. And that, you know, with the Spurs, you would expect that that's something that would improve over time, but definitely still a work in progress for him. Okay. All right. So yeah, that was fun to, um, just to talk about, you know, go in depth on, on two of the other starters, you know, I know, I know we spent on this podcast a lot of time on Wemby. And so that was good to get a little um, breakdown of, of Keldon and, um, and Brandon. All right. Thank you to Colin for joining me on this episode of the Spurs cast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe rate and review on YouTube and your favorite podcast apps. This episode was written, recorded and produced by Paul Garcia from all of us at project Spurs stay safe and enjoy the holidays. Mm-hmm.